All right, so we are now currently in the spoiler section. Uh, all right, so let's get into the things I liked and disliked when it comes to The Incredibles 2. So, um, you know, I think the script is uh, strong. And I will say at first glance, the idea that Bob being forced to switch, you know, gender roles, uh, you know, traditional gender roles with Helen and stay home with the kids while she went off and did all the crime fighting. So essentially the reverse, because in the first movie, it was Helen who was sweeping and doing all the housework and doing the, the mom thing, I guess. And it was Bob that was out, you know, being Mr. Incredible. So they switched things around. So now Bob has to stay home because Helen or AKA Elastigirl, you know, looks, you know, is better. That That's the image they want. They want Elastigirl out there. They think that's going to be the thing that allows them to get this ban on supers lifted. And fine. Uh, but initially I thought, ah, this just doesn't feel right. You know, it feels so old fashioned. You know, it, it feels like something that, would have been explored in an animated movie back in, I don't know, the early to late 80s or something. And even then it might have felt a little past its expiration date. But then I remembered something. You know, if you look at the original Incredibles movie, and if you look at this one, there is obviously a distinct 60s vibe within this movie. Uh, there is a lot of technological advances in this movie, but at the same time, as I was talking about in the non-spoiler review, it's like you took the 60s and you took present day and you kind of mashed them together. And that is essentially the Incredibles, you know, the world they live in. So that's why you have the traditional gender rules and everything. And and so while it it feels like you're exploring territory that, that should be explored at this point, within this particular universe, within this this world, it's applicable, okay? So you are, you know, kind of dealing with Bob, you know, staying at home, struggling with, uh, you know, being the the single parent, basically, while his wife is off, you know, solving crimes and, and changing things. So initially I thought, okay, this didn't really feel all that great, but uh, after a few minutes I realized, why it works in this movie and why it's understandable and uh, it feels like it's something that is uh, organic in this movie because of the universe and, and all of the uh, constraints of the era that they are referencing. Um, all right, so let's move on to some other thoughts here. Uh, if you look at the script, you know, in the non-spoiler review, I said that I liked the script. I laughed a lot and I did. I laughed Ton. I mean, the stuff with Jack Jack is he's changing uh, from his baby form to like the little demon thing because, you know, Bob won't give him a cookie uh, to all the other powers. The fight with the raccoon was was just brilliant. It was hilarious. I loved it. Um, all that stuff, it, it really worked so well. And you know, even the stuff with uh, with Bob, you know, trying to adjust to being the single parent was relatable, I think, to parents, to anybody who is uh, outside of college or even outside of high school can at least understand this a little little better, you know. Um, so that was great. Uh, I thought that um, 
thought Dash actually had a stronger character arc. I don't know. Maybe not arc is the best way to go about that. I just thought he was stronger as a character in this movie than he was in the first Incredibles movie. I thought he got... For some reason, I felt like they they got more to do. Or he got more to do in this movie, and uh, which I liked. Um... What else did I did I like about the script? Uh, I thought that um, the stuff with uh, the screen slaver was uh, was cool. It was a cool villain. Uh, the, the Devers, I think, uh, the whole thing about them wanting, or at least, well, not sister, um, but I do think that Winston, you know, was somebody who had a pure motivation and an understandable one and that uh Evelyn his sister was also kind of you understood where she was coming from and that's one of the things that the the, the script explores and asks us which is are we too over reliant on superheroes to solve all of our problems you know if you can just stand there and call for help and Mr Incredible can come and solve your problem but you could also have solved it yourself with just a little application of your mind or or whatever, or even your own strength. Should that be, you know, something that we have to do, we should do, is rely on ourselves a little more. Stop relying on superheroes to be our our magic elixir for all the, the ills of the world. It's a fair question. It really is. And I do like the fact that they actually brought that up in the movie and that they did that through the villain. Somebody who, who looks at these heroes and says, yeah, but is that the way it should be? And it was poignant in a way in which she kind of illustrated this idea, which was, you know, that Evelyn and um, Winston's father died because people broke into the house. And rather than go to a safe room or call police or barricade themselves in their room, he went and called for a hero, for a superhero. And nobody was there. And then he was shot and killed. So again, it's like it's it's he was relying on a superhero to come and save him when had he just taken his wife and gone into a panic room and closed the door, they would still be alive. Or at least they wouldn't have died because of that. So, you know, I, I do like that. And it's something that you can identify. And, and that's something that I've been seeing a lot lately in superhero movies where the villain, for all of their misdeeds and all of the, the ways in which they go about the things that they do, they do have a point of view that you can understand. Maybe their methods aren't right. Um, it's the methods that are causing them to be a villain as opposed to, in a way, their idea. Because... The idea that we can't solve our own problems and we're just letting superheroes do everything for us is something that should be explored. And I'm, I'm glad this movie tried to. And I think I actually did a pretty good job of, of showing that. Um, but here's the thing when it comes to the script. On one hand, I said in my non-spoiler view, on one hand, I liked what they did. And on, on the other hand, I felt like they could have done better. And, and here is why. So we picked up right from the end of the first movie, you know, within 
seconds, uh, a minute or two. And on one hand, that sense of immediacy was nice, you know, because we're basically picking up where we left off. But here's the problem. We're all 14 years older. And to a certain extent, it would have been nice to see them do a little bit of a time jump. Okay. Now, they may be planning this for the next movie. And if they do, that's great. And I can't wait to see it. But here's the thing. I wonder what this movie would have been like had they jumped ahead eight years, maybe even 10 years, right? So Dash is now graduating from high school. Jack-Jack is, what, about 10 years old, 11 years old. And, you know, uh, sister is, you know, I don't know, uh, out of college, you know, maybe working as a superhero. I don't know. But the point is, I wonder what the script would have been like had they actually done that. Because then you could start exploring the idea of superheroes getting older. Now, we just saw that last, no, was it last year? Last summer with uh, Logan, right? And the question about superheroes aging, but they could have also done that here as well, in a little more family-friendly manner, where maybe Elastigirl isn't quite as elastic as she used to be, right? Where Mr. Incredible, for all his strength, isn't quite as strong as he once was. Age is never beaten. And the idea that because they're getting older and they're struggling to come to grips with that, that they can't quite be the supers that they used to be, and that they must rely on Dash, right? They must have they must rely on Jack Jack. Um, that they must rely on Violet, the family, and friends and other people to help them out would have been something to explore. And I think would have resonated quite a bit. Now that's just me. I mean, I'm not saying that that had to be the way they went, and that because they didn't go that way, I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed in a way that picking up where we left off, it it doesn't give in a way a feeling that this family has jumped forward all that much, despite the fact that we see an arc in this movie. There's not enough, there's too much immediacy, I think, to a certain extent, because it has been 14 years, and you kind of want, even if they had jumped ahead of a year or two, that would have been fine. Um, months even would have been fine, but because there's no time jumping, we literally pick up where we left off. It uh, it takes something away from me at least, and I just I wasn't hating it, but I wasn't enamored with it at the same time. If that makes any sense, which it may not, you may not agree. Um, but that would have been an interesting way to explore the idea of superheroes getting older, and what does that mean. And how can you still be a superhero even if your powers aren't quite as great as they used to be? Um, so while the movie asks some potent questions, I think another aspect of the script was it wasn't quite as satirical as the first Incredibles movie where they really poked fun. You know, you could look at the first Incredibles movie and it's not the R-rated satirical bent that Deadpool has, but they did poke fun at a lot of tropes and ideas uh, in the first Incredibles movie, and they didn't do that as much here. And I wonder if it's also because there's such an immediacy to 
this movie and picking up where we left off that it didn't feel right maybe but i mean there's still some satirical elements but it's just not as strong as the first one so you know in terms of that uh the script i I thought that it was a good script but maybe not a great script Uh, that being said i do think there's strong character work uh, with bob and uh, with helen i think violet and dash get a little bit more of an arc. Um, Jack Jack stuff is is really funny. There's a good villain. Uh, they've got things to say in this movie, and for that, I think there is a a good solid script, but maybe not a great script. Okay. Um. But I felt like this movie. Uh, it's two hours long. It didn't feel two hours long to me. Uh, but yeah, they did. I think is about as well as they could given the storyline of addressing some some of the family dynamics uh really bringing up some tension between uh, Bob and and Helen because of the gender role swaps the traditional gender role swaps um Bob obviously is not out there doing the superheroic things that he he thinks he should Helen is happy to be able to shine a little bit uh, but also I think a little um, worried because she knows how hard, you know, Bob is taking this at the same time. I thought that was uh, nice to see some tension there in that specific area. Um, yeah, I just I think, I think it was a good script and it was, it was a good movie and I really did enjoy it. Uh, the Screenslaver, I thought it was a pretty good villain and I, I you know, I thought that it was going to be Winston. I did. I thought it was going to be Winston. I, I, it was going to be one of the two, but the way that the screenslaver was presented, I, I just thought that somehow he maybe stole he stole tech from his sister, and adopted this persona, not because he wanted to hurt anybody, but because, in his desperate need to bring the supers back, he needed to make sure that there was a villain strong enough and dangerous enough. That if the supers could beat the screen slaver, that it would force the public to bring the super supers back, and you know, lift the ban on them. But ultimately, ended up being his sister, and we talked about that before about her reasoning as to why uh, superheroes shouldn't be relied on or over relied on, and uh, you know that. That was a pretty good motivation, and I think to a certain extent, at least, an understandable one. Um, so yeah, I think that that was pretty cool. Um, I, I had a good time with it. Uh, like I said, it's not a movie that has a, a huge, complex plot. It doesn't need that, but it has enough jokes and enough uh, fun moments and enough serious moments, too, as well as the words hell and damn in this movie, which I thought was pretty pretty big for this. It was rated PG, but uh, even so, I was a little surprised when those words came out of characters' mouths. Um, yeah, but otherwise, it's, uh, it's a good movie. Um, I like the stuff with Violet. I thought that her and the boy that she liked in the first movie... And the whole thing with them and uh, him not remembering because his mind was wiped. 
uh, and then being totally embarrassed by her father, who's in his his attempt to help out ends up making things worse. Uh, I thought that was it was nice. It was nice, and her trying to destroy her super suit was pretty great stuff. And I like Dash's response. Is she having puberty? I think was was his uh, line. Um, as though you could, you know, not have it if you didn't want it. So, yeah. Uh, what else do I want to talk about here? I just, I, overall, I think it's a good, it's a good movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had, I had fun. Um, Brad Bird did this sequel, um, only because he felt like he had a good enough idea. And I think the idea that Bob would become the stay at home, uh, father while helen went off and was the superhero the, the breadwinner uh he said was there from the very very beginning but it took years for him to come up with the perfect story to write his idea around i think he did a pretty good job so it's an hour and 58 minutes as i said earlier incredibles 2 it's the longest pixar film but also the longest computer animated film to date so that's a pretty impressive stuff all right, so uh, let's get into the grades. All right, so uh, for the script, uh, some potent themes um, and ideas. I think they help elevate this script, but and I laughed quite a bit uh, throughout the film. However, as I said earlier, it lacks some of this, some of the satire, or the strong satire, and I wondered if a time jump would have helped push the script forward and allow for some ideas and themes to be explored, some new ideas and themes, or at least newer than what this movie was trying to explore, maybe. Uh, but overall, I think it was, it was a good script. It was um, funny, well-paced, and had a lot of great action scenes throughout. Uh, so the script gets an 87 from me. Uh, on to acting. Are there any stand-up performances? Yes and no. So how can I explain Look, it's an animated movie, uh, so yes, there can be standout performances. Uh, I think that everybody does a really good job here. I do. I think everyone is uh, it's talented uh, voice actors here, some really great stars behind you know the microphone, and everybody comes back except for the guy that played Dash, He, the kid that played Dash in the first movie. He went through puberty and, of course, couldn't come back. But other than that, pretty much everybody is back. And I think they did a phenomenal job. Uh, so I wouldn't say that there are any standout performances, only because I feel like everybody does a really wonderful job here. Um, nobody stands out, but, but nobody is bad either. And it's not... It sounds like everyone is okay or decent, but I think everyone's just really, really good. you know. So for me, uh, the voice acting gets a 90. Uh, on to directing. So how good of a job did Brad Bird do here? Again, this is an animated movie, but it can be a little difficult to differentiate what makes a well-directed animated movie versus what makes a well-directed live-action movie. Because on a live-action movie, you can see like they have limitations, at uh, least to a certain extent, with the camera. and uh, But talented directors can take that camera and do amazing things with it. With animated movies, you can pretty much do whatever you want. That being said, you still have to make choices and you still have to kind of shoot the film 
to whatever angle you want, but it's got to look great. It's got to flow well. And I think Brad Bird did a great job here. Um, there's action sequences that are quite thrilling, juxtaposed by, I think, family scenes that you know even out the pace of the film. And I think he does a great job. Uh, directing for me is a 90 for him because I think he did a really wonderful job doing uh, the re- directing jobs here for this movie. Uh, move on to special effects, or in this case, just the animation. Uh, since this is an animated movie, um, animated movie, it looks great, right? Uh, well, I think some things like hair and movements by the characters are smoother and more detailed. Uh, the film, I think overall, it kind of mirrors the general look and the quality of the first movie. So it's not like they are now really jumping ahead, light years ahead in terms of animation, uh, for this particular movie. I think they wanted to keep the tone and the look from the first movie intact here and you know that's a conscious choice it's not a bad one um in fact i think it's actually a pretty good one i understand why so for the animation i have to give it a uh, 91 all right let's move on to editing and pacing um movie was two hours long well an hour and 58 minutes and it didn't feel that way to me. I didn't feel like I was in there for nearly two hours. I felt like I was in there for like an hour and 15, hour and 30, maybe. Um, I think what really did a great, what really helped out was there was a nice balance of action and domestic family drama throughout. I think you had the action, right? So that really pushed the energy and the pace of the film upward. And then we kind of descended down a bit whenever the action would uh, drop off and we would get like a lighter scene or a funny scene. And there was like this, this nice rhythm going in this movie where we didn't get stuck in one thing for too long. It wasn't just a lot of action, a lot of action, uh, a very small breather of a drama or, or funny scene. And then back into the action, uh, the movie was uh, well-constructed. And I think that, uh, that nice pace of and mixture of the fast action sequences and then slowing it down a bit. I think it has a nice rhythm for this movie. So editing and pacing gets a 92 for me. All right. And as to the final grade, this is a uh, rewatchability and I'm going to give it a 90. Uh, this is a movie it may not be quite as rewatchable as the first Incredibles, which I would probably give it like a 95 or a 97 even, because it is that great. Uh, but that being said, it's still a really good movie, hilarious, and it's one I can easily sit down and, and watch again. I uh, have no problem when I buy this on Blu-ray or 4K. Uh, I'll, I'll be sitting down and watching this movie uh, probably the day I buy it, so... It's got a high grade for me. As for the final thoughts on the final grade, um, this movie gets uh, an 89 overall as the final grade. I uh, don't think it's uh, quite reaches the heights of the first movie, but it offers more than enough thrills and laughs and ideas to keep kids of all ages entertained, me included. Excuse me. So uh, overall, I think this is an excellent movie. It's well worth the money. Uh, if you've seen it already, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it and you, you sat and listened to the spoiler review anyway, I highly recommend going to see it. I think you'll have a really great time. Um, you may 
like it as much or more even than the first Incredibles, which is fine. Um, I didn't, I, I, but I still loved it uh, quite a bit. And it may not reach the Incredibles, but it's not that far off either. I mean, it's, like I said earlier, like a notch below, you know, notch and a half maybe, but that's that's it. It's not that much. It's definitely worth checking out. I highly advise going and uh, watching it. And if you've seen it already, maybe you'll go see it again because it is that good. So, all right, everyone. I know this is a bit of a, a shorter episode because... It's just me, so I have no I no one I uh, bounce ideas off of and and debate things with and all that. So it's just my voice, which which means um, it's going to be a bit of a shorter episode. So, but hopefully, you know, I was able to you know, give you guys a good idea what this movie was like for me and the things I liked and disliked about it. Um, and I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode. Uh, and thanks for supporting us. Uh, whether you're a Patreon supporter or a subscriber, or you just listen to our podcast, thank you uh, for listening to us and you know making us feel every week that we do this like someone is out there listening to what we have to say and listening and hearing our opinions and feeling like there's some worth to it because you know we're just sitting here talking and doing our thing and. Uh, you know, it's nice that uh, people are out there listening and uh, find our stuff to be enjoyable enough that they want to listen to us week in and week out. So thank you very much. Um, all right. That's it for this episode. Uh, we'll see you guys next week when we review Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So look forward to that. And until next time, have a good one. And thanks for listening to the podcast.